Welcome to the WBST 60th Anniversary Special, presented by Lifestream Services. 60 years, that's quite a milestone. I'm Sean Ashcraft, Production and Operations Manager for Indiana Public Radio. Tonight, we are celebrating 60 years of IPR. Okay, so my personal history with the station hasn't been that long. I joined IPR in 2011 as a Ball State student employee working on our student-led music program, The Scene. But thanks to former production manager Brian Eckstein, who actually gave me my first job here at the station, and the work of others, we have a lot of great history sound bites, if you will, to share. And we'll also listen to some of the newer programs and traditions that have found a home on our airwaves over the last decade or so. Let's start with a look back at our 50th anniversary special, produced by Brian Eckstein, which features some audio from our 30th special. Welcome to this special program commemorating the 50th anniversary of WBST's Sign-On. I'm Brian Eckstein. During the next hour, we'll trace a bit of the station's history, mainly through another WBST anniversary program, one recorded in 1990 for the station's 30th anniversary. That was 20 years ago, and I was just a freshman at Ball State, but I was already volunteering at WBST. Dan Skinner, then program manager, was one of my first bosses, and I do remember him recording this program. When I heard it on the air at the time, I really had no clue about the rich history of this radio station. So, for us to do a proper study of WBST's past, it's only fitting that we look back at Dan's 30th anniversary special as we learn about WBST's first day on the air, September 12th. 1960. It would be nearly a decade before man set foot on the moon. It was just a few years before the Beatles invaded the United States. Ike was in the White House. Khrushchev was in the Kremlin. The Cold War was hot. And John Kennedy and Richard Nixon were on the campaign trail. If you would have tuned into WBST on September 12, 1960, its first day on the air, and were able to hear the news, it may have sounded something like this. Vice President Richard Nixon will be arriving in Indianapolis later this morning for a two-hour campaign stop. Nixon will be making a lunch hour speech at the downtown Soldiers and Sailors Monument. Governor Harold Handley and Lieutenant Governor Crawford Parker will be on hand at Warecook Airport to greet Nixon. According to the White House, President Eisenhower and Nixon's running mate, Henry Cabot Lodge, will send the Republican candidate off in ceremonies this morning in Baltimore. Nixon has been out of the hospital now just three days after having surgery on an infected knee. Indianapolis will be the first stop on what will be a three-city tour for Nixon. After leaving our state, he'll visit Dallas and then San Francisco. Block Lane has begun at the Muncie Lodge number 87 FOP, located at State Road 32 and Butterfield Road. Attending the wall-raising ceremonies were Muncie Mayor Arthur Tuohy, City Engineer Horace Weber, City Attorney Marshall Henley, and Keith Duncan, the chairman of the FOP Building Committee. The building is going on 10 acres of the Cooner Farm and will be used for Boy Scout outings and other community events. Keith Duncan has acted as a one-man building company, according to Mayor Tuohy. Duncan says materials and labor for the project were donated by Bricklayers Local 9, Carpenters Local 519, and Electricians Local 855. According to the mayor, the building will be worth over $65,000 when completed. 
A fire yesterday afternoon left the Muncie Fire Department communications system up in smoke. Muncie Fire Dispatchers were using a Delaware County Civil Defense walkie-talkie for radio transmissions between the central station and fire trucks after the small fire burned out the transmitter. Firemen returned to the central station earlier yesterday after responding to a traffic accident when they found the station full of smoke. The Civil Defense walkie-talkie provided by Defense Director Marshall Seip provided communication between fire trucks and the central station. That will continue while repairs are continuing to be made on the old transmitter. And the people of Bronson, a community located at U.S. 35 and U.S. 36, will vote tomorrow to keep the town's name or change it to Lasantville. The town of 230 in Randolph County has been debating the proposed change for some time and will abide by the majority ruling after tomorrow's vote. A conflict had arisen when the post office was registered under the name of Lasantville with road signs listing the town's name as Bronson. Well, in sports, the Ball State football team continues to prepare for its game with Illinois Normal this weekend. During practice yesterday, Coach Jim Freeman announced that second-string quarterback Bob Ellison is out for the season. The Indianapolis Cathedral graduate suffered a dislocated shoulder during practice. And next week's game at Valparaiso will be played under the lights at Zoller Stadium in Fort Wayne. Tickets for that game will be on sale beginning Monday of next week. An Indianapolis native Mike Terry captured the gold medal in the butterfly during the Olympic Games, currently going on in Rome. Going into today's events, the U.S. has earned 34 gold, 21 silver, and 16 bronze medals. That total of 71 is second only to Russia's medal total of 102. The weather forecast for Muncie today, it'll be sunny and mild. Our high this afternoon should reach near 70 degrees. Our overnight low will be near 50. For tomorrow, again, sunny and warm, a high near 72 degrees. Tomorrow night's low, near 50. The news and weather for September 12, 1960, as it might have been heard on WBST. Our thanks to John Aldhart. You're listening to the WBST 60th anniversary special. Longtime listener Jim McCann had this memory to share. I remember the months of the sounds of silence when the Marion transmitter was stolen twice. I can remember the time that there was classical music top ten hit list. You voted when you pledged it, and the winners were announced on the final Sunday afternoon. Some of the top ten were Beethoven's fifth and his ninth. With many symphonies, it took all afternoon for the countdown to be played. But the overall winner was the one I voted for, Mahler's Second Symphony. Great station, great memories. This is a special program commemorating the 30th anniversary of WBST. In the next hour, we'll hear some voices from WBST's past, and we'll share some music recorded in WBST studios. In just a few minutes, Al Rent, who was a student in the early 1960s, shares his memories of WBST. But first, we have music recorded here at the radio station. In July of 1990, we were privileged to have with us Cinda Williams, a Ball State graduate, singer, and actress. And this was just before the opening of the movie Mo Better Blues, in which Cinda had a major part. Here she sings Nobody, accompanied on the piano by Brad Hansen. When life seems full of clouds and rain And I am filled with nothing but pain who soon 
thumping, bumping brain. Nobody. When winter comes with snow and sleet, and me with hunger and cold feet, who says his two bits? Go and meet nobody. I never done nothing to nobody. I never got nothing from nobody. No time. Until I get something from somebody sometime I don't intend to do nothing for nobody No time When summer comes all cool and clear And my friends see me drawing near says come in and have some beer nobody when all day long things go amiss and I go home to find some bliss who hands me a glowing kiss nobody I never done nothing to know I never got nothing from nobody, no time And until I get something from somebody sometime I don't intend to do nothing for nobody No, I never done nothing to Cinda Williams and Brad Hansen performing Nobody, the music recorded in WBST's Studio B. I'm Sarah Finney wishing IPR a happy 60th anniversary. Indiana Public Radio has a very special place in my heart. I was a student reporter during my senior year of college from 2012 to 2013. It was my first taste of being a real reporter. I felt so official covering stories and events with my recorder in hand, proudly able to tell people that I worked for IPR. Stephanie Weekman and Terry Heifetz were instrumental in proofreading my scripts, teaching me how to edit the audio and how 
how to read stories properly. Some of those still exist online and they are a little bit embarrassing to listen to, but also a fun trip back in time. Now I work for the ABC TV station in Tampa, Florida, covering traffic, anchoring, and reporting. So a lot has changed since my time in Muncie, but not my love for IPR. Happy 60th. Get ready, Muncie, and stand by Mid-America for the greatest radio telephonic extravaganza ever conceived by the mortal mind. That's right, ecstatic listeners. Once again, from the nerve center of campus... You got It's time for the Uncle Gimpy Show. Hey, kitties, close all the windows and turn on the gas, because it's time for Uncle Gimpy. Uncle Gimpy was the brainchild of David Letterman, one of WBST's and Ball State's more famous alums. Al Rent talks about the early days at WBST and David Letterman's part in them. I really began my WBST career in 1962 when we put the station back on the air. It had been on the air previous to that as a carrier current station and then a little bit broadcasting in with a fabulous 10 watts. Um, moved it over to what is now the Arts Communication Building, then, then the old English building, and put it back on the air in 62. Three of us, Dr. Bill Tomlinson, who was the head of the department, and for a while the lone faculty member, uh, myself and my brother, uh, carried the control board from the basement of the English building or arts communication up three flights of stairs into the control room and carried the transmitter as well because the transmitter literally could be physically carried because all it had was three VU meters and an on-off switch. It was pretty simple operation. David Letterman um, uh, was an interesting character or student um, or individual. Funny, funny, funny guy. Uh, I was student program director for, really, for four or five years. But one day, Bill Tomlinson brought into the studio a tall, lanky, gap-toothed kid named Dave Letterman, and he said, I've been talking with Mr. Letterman. He always referred to people as Mr. Letterman or Mr. Rent. Um, and he wants to work in radio. And so uh, we need some staff members, so I'd like you to put him to work. And so we did. Um, we decided that he had a pretty good voice and we would put him on the air and he could introduce uh, some of the classical composers works. Well, what we, and we were all very busy, so there were times where we weren't really listening to what he was saying, but Dave tended to write his own version of their biographies. And so I would get calls from music faculty saying, I didn't know Beethoven had three illegitimate children. Um, and uh, the thing that got him shifted to another role was when he introduced Claire de Lune, written by the affable uh, Claude W.C. for his wife Claire and all their little loons. Uh, so we got more calls from the faculty. So we shifted Dave to news because we figured we couldn't, you know, news was news and he, he could take the uh, uh, copy from the AP and the UPI wires and uh, put it into order and give it to the news reader. What we didn't realize was there were most occasions where Dave would slip in his own story and then hand a stack of news which most of the news readers read cold. 
So in it, he ended, ended up writing his own stuff. Uh, it was almost like a Letterman comedy routine, and so we had to take him off that. So literally, I had to fire him from the station. Um, it was, uh, uh, it, <laughs> he never really understood why, except we kept saying, you know, <laughs> Dave, there's rules to follow, and, and uh, he didn't want to really want to follow them. We all have moments in our lives. Um, today's generation will remember where we were, uh, let's say, during the, in Muncie, during the ice storm of 2005, or during 9-11. Where were you? What were you doing when 9-11? For me, the biggest event for me began with where was I when JFK was shot? And I was at WBST. The, the wire services had bells and any number of dings meant something. It meant national news is coming in or regional news or state news or, or some local news. Um, and today's generation doesn't know what a teletype machine is, but in those days, they, it sounded like just an old typewriter, just dit, 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 typed perfect 60 words a minute, I think. Um, we heard the bell go 12, ding, 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 12 dings. We'd had a lot of students play games with us before and, and just getting in there and banging on the bell themselves. And then everybody would run and then it would be nothing. But this time it did it and then it did it again and there was nobody in there. So we all went to look and, it, and the information was coming across that the president had been shot and then the president had died. That was a, a hugely defining moment, not only for us personally, but for WBST, because we had to, on the spur of the moment, uh, rearrange and figure out how we were going to respond to that, literally, national, international emergency. And we stayed on the air for a much extended period of time, through the night anyway, uh, talking about what was going on. We brought in professors, uh, we had students reacting, and we certainly had uh, national news that we could read. It was a time for us to grow up. It was a time for us to really hone some skills and do something that was terribly, totally unique in a very terrible time. In 1970, WBST produced an Armstrong award-winning program. The communications media have not always provided a full spectrum of information for the formation of good judgment. In response to the apparent need for a balance in available information, WBST is proud to offer a view from the other side. A view of the institutions in question and the men who make them and work in them. In this program, we offer for your consideration another view of law enforcement. Dedicated to Baird Davis, a local police officer seriously injured by an explosion of a bomb in his automobile, we give you Pig Latin. Bomb threats. Three fourths of the time, now I'd say 90% of the time, it's, it's, it's not, there's nothing to it. And uh, not too long ago, I was sitting on the desk and we got a phone call that they was going to blow up City Hall. And I was the only one on afternoon, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, I was scared. To, I was scared. And I didn't waste no time getting somebody in here to check this building out. And I was really scared. And it's just because the day before, they blew up a place in the uh, Illinois, kill a couple of policemen in Cleveland, and uh, anymore, you, you, you can't pass these things off lightly anymore. You have to be concerned about it. 
a portion of the Armstrong award-winning program, Pig Latin, produced in 1970. Hi, I'm Scott Horsley. I cover the economy for NPR, and that means it's my job to report the ups and downs, the booms and the busts. But one thing has been steady in good times and bad for the last 60 years, Indiana Public Radio. That's thanks to your financial support. You know the return on your investment is award-winning news you can trust. Congratulations, IPR, on your 60th anniversary. I'm banking on many more to come. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have memories from the year 1976. But first, more music. Performed by pianist John Kozar, the music recorded in WBST's studios. This is WBST Muncie, celebrating 30 years of broadcasting with former staff member Janelle Button. I was a news reporter anchor in, uh, from about 1986 till about February of 1988. And I also produced the 5 o'clock uh, half-hour news show. I'm an anchor, the midday anchor and reporter for WOWO in Fort Wayne. Hello, my name is Bob Gibson. I worked in the sports department at WBST. It was very rewarding at Ball State University, and I wish another 30 years to WBST Radio and keep up the good work and go Ball State in the football and basketball season. In China, it was the year of the dragon. But across the land, making up the Mid-American Conference, 1976 has been staked out and proclaimed as the Year of the Cardinal. Hi, this is Don McGuffin. And Jim Davis. Jim, Jeff Hyde, and I had the pleasure of broadcasting every exciting moment of this memorable 1976 season on WBST Radio. And somehow, it seems a fitting climax to the bicentennial year to see the Ball State University football Cardinals wear the championship crown of the Mid-American Conference. 1975, 
the very first year Ball State became eligible to compete for the title, gave Cardinal followers a hint of a bright future in the conference when they finished with seven wins in a row, a 9-2 and two record, and a third-place tie in the conference with Bowling Green. Head coach Dave McLean earned Mac Coach of the Year honors. Before the 1976 season even got underway, the Cardinals were tabbed as having an outside chance of winning the title. The fans became excited at the prospects while the Cardinal coaching staff probably squirmed knowing the pressure was on before the season even started. They realized more than anyone that while the talent was there, so too was inexperience in key positions. But the young men who wore the Cardinal in white accepted the challenge. Oh, how they accepted it. And when the season ended, they had proven to all that the new kid on the block was indeed a champion. Next, we'll continue with music of Jeff Schaefer. Music recorded in our studio, this is a piece titled Aqua.
You're listening to a special program celebrating the history of WBST, the flagship station of Indiana Public Radio. It first signed on as an FM service from Ball State University 50 years ago today, September 12, 1960. We'll hear more stories and music from WBST's 30th anniversary radio show with Dan Skinner in a few moments. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a recorded edition of Discologue. I'm your host, Jack McQuaid, with a bit of a crippled tongue this afternoon, apparently, from that stumbling. This program is recorded, so I'm not able to tell you who is at the controls as you listen, but John Sheets is here this bright and, and uh, shiny Sunday afternoon as we record the program. Today, there's not going to be any particular theme for the essays. They're going to just be a random sampling of uh, unrelated articles that have collected on my desk down in the public affairs office. There is a musical theme, though, this afternoon. We're going to call it Horns of Plenty. That should make our music director, uh, Kent Leslie, happy. He always is, has a, wears a smile when we do horns on Discalogue because he himself is a French horn major. Horns of Plenty. We're going to hear... Compositions for French horn by Rossini, Telemann, Federster, Weber, Leopold, Mozart, and Wilder, among others. And of course, since this program is recorded in advance, we aren't able to do our customary days ahead uh, column here on Discalogue. So let's begin with this particular essay by Jack Murphy, who is an assistant city editor for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. His essay appeared in that newspaper on March 5th, and he wrote about a subject that maybe some of you uh, deal with at home as well. Mr. Murphy, my wife and I have a problem, thornier than cataloging the treasures of the Smithsonian. What to do with the artwork? Our history wouldn't be complete without talking about one of WBST's and Muncie's most prominent and trusted news reporters of the 70s and early 80s, Jack McQuaid, whose journalism, public affairs, and even music programs were a hallmark of WBST for many years. As we celebrate this station's history, we remember the late Jack McQuaid. Here's Ball State University telecommunications professor Nancy Carlson. Jack McQuaid wore himself out doing the news. He wore a scanner 24-7, even in bed. He uh, was up in a sports coat, a red sports coat at 7 a.m. at the Hotel Roberts, getting the news before anybody else did. He worked all the weekends. He trained hundreds of students over his time at WBST, and he neglected himself. He had no hobbies other than uh, radio and listening to classical music. He uh, worked 24-7. He was a hoarder. My husband helped him move once from downtown Muncie to Adams Street, and he had thousands and thousands of books and many sets of tableware service for you know eight or 12 people. He was a hoarder. He never got rid of anything, and it was just an amazing, amazing man who neglected himself. He felt, had a stomachache, which he didn't take care of for a long time, he fell down a flight of stairs with that stomachache and perforated something and uh, died at the bottom of the staircase. At Jack's funeral, which I believe was in 1983, there were hundreds of people crammed into a mortuary. Uh, young men who Jack had reached out to in 
the, his early days allowing them to live at his place when they couldn't afford anything else, uh, people who made it big in the news industry, and police and firemen out the doors making tribute to Jack McQuaid. Rumors are he was buried in his red sport coat and with the police scanner. Whether you've been listening for 30 years or 30 minutes, we thank you. It's nice to know that there's someone to watch over us here at WBST. I'm Dan Skinner. Dan Skinner recorded most of the material you've heard this hour as part of WBST's 30th anniversary 20 years ago. Hi, I'm Marcus Jackman, former general manager of Indiana Public Radio. And my favorite memory of the station is how it made a difference. Now, when I say working at IPR made a difference, I don't mean in general. I don't mean a vague sort of warm fuzzy. I have a name to put to it and a life. It's one of my most cherished memories. He called in for the first time on a weekday afternoon of the pledge drive. I'll I'll call him Matt. I was pitching, meaning I was one of those people on the air asking you to call and become a member. Dan Lutz, I think it was, who took the call and noted the gift. When I walked into the phone room, Dan said to me, Marcus, you need to see this. And he handed me the form with his notes scribbled in the margin. So I went to my desk and I picked up the phone because I had to talk to this man. And he told me a story. See, Matt had lost his son, I think about a year before, way too young. And he'd struggled afterwards with grief and depression, understandably. But it was very, very hard. And he got to the point where life Life like this, the dull pain, the emptiness that he was feeling, it wasn't worth living. So one night, Matt drove his truck out into the countryside, down a dark, deserted road, running through the cornfields and bean fields, and he parked it on the train tracks, and he waited. He was past caring, past hoping, past thinking there was anything left for him. He was waiting to die. And as he waited, Matt turned on the radio, and he scanned for something to listen to. And there... In the middle of the night, at the bottom of his own personal hell of loneliness and despair, he met beauty. It was our station. It was our music. He doesn't remember which composer or work it was. It doesn't really matter. What he heard was beauty. And Matt said it suddenly occurred to him if there could still somehow be beauty in this life, if something could still be beautiful to him, even in his loss and grief and despair, then maybe... Living, going forward, even with such pain, maybe he could do that. So he turned on his engine and drove home to his wife. That privilege of being able to serve and encourage someone at their absolute rock bottom, the joy of knowing that what we were doing made a difference, not just to a financial bottom line, but to this grieving man. That's one of the things I celebrate the most about my time at IPR. We made a difference. And one life, and the countless others that that life touches, is worth it all. Congratulations to Indiana Public Radio on 60 years of making a difference. For Soundsations. Stay with Public Radio. National Public Radio. 
and stay with your public radio station, WBST 92.1 FM. At WBST, we're name droppers. For WBST News, this is Lisa Beard reporting. I'm Stephen Caridoyanis, and the program is Music for the Keyboard. For WBST News, I'm Rob O'Brien. This is Saturday Sunriser. My name's Frank Turks. This is Something Extra. I'm Richard Palmer. Jack McQuaid, WBST News. For WBST Sports, I'm Tom Weisenbach. With the program Muncie in the Morning, I'm Nancy Stafford. This is Terry Coffey reporting. This is a program mostly for strings. I'm your host, John Williams. Welcome to Something Extra. I'm John Wheeler. For WBST News, I'm Paul Schalander. For WBST and Money Moves, this is Steve Alley. Welcome to another edition of Jazz World. I'm Danny McNeil. This is WBST's Afternoon Edition. I'm your host, John Althart. This is NPR's Morning Edition. Public Radio. Good morning. I'm Stan Sollers. I'm Carl Castle with these headlines. I'm Tom Scheck, Indiana Public Radio News. A Prairie Home Companion. This is NPR's Weekend Edition. I'm Scott Simon. Coming up... For Arts Desk, I'm Janet Babin, Indiana Public Radio. This is American Life, Myra Glass. 60 Degrees, I'm Marcus Jacklett. Hello, you're on Car Talk. I'm Linda Worth. I'm Mr. 24 hours a day from Ball State University. This is Indiana Public Radio, NPR, news and classical music. Good evening. It's November 2nd, 1999, the last election of the millennium. Welcome to Indiana Public Radio's election night coverage. In tonight's half-hour special, we'll take you around central Indiana to get the Good very afternoon. Latest. I'm Beverly Amsler with a special Indiana Public Radio news update. Ball Corporation is moving its headquarters from Indiana to Colorado. 180 Ball Corporation employees were notified this morning that the corporate headquarters would move later this year from Muncie to Broomfield, Colorado. I am Margaret Curtis, and I've been working at WBSC longer than anyone else now on duty. Therefore, that gives me a certain authority in everything that I say. This week's Hopewell writer is Margaret Kingery. I'm Ray Peterson. Margaret Kingery writes short stories and teaches... Hello and welcome to Our Word, a quiz show where our panelists' knowledge of North American literature, authors, fine lumber, words, and even pop culture and roadmaps are tested to the very limits of human endurance. It's the thrill of victory and the agony of the participle. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. President Bush responding to a series of attacks shortly after the World Trade Center was hit, another airliner crashed into the Pentagon in Washington. One of the worst ice storms in uh, recent memory has spent the last three days snarling traffic, snarling power, snarling lives throughout East Central I'm Marcus Jackman. This is Indiana Backstage. It's a pleasure for almost our first anniversary show to have Stan Garrison back. Well, thank you, Marcus. Good evening, and welcome to a reenactment of War of the Worlds on this, the 70th anniversary of the original panic broadcast that shook America. Ebenezer Scrooge! Ebenezer Scrooge! Barney? Oh, no. What do you want with me? I want much of you, Ebenezer. Who? Who are you? Welcome back to our broadcast of the Muncie Symphony Orchestra's concert of October 2nd, 1993. 
The single work still to be heard on this program is the Symphony Number no. 6 of Antonin Dvorak. We invite you to come out. It's a great Saturday. It's a great day of the blues. We're broadcasting live from the Menatrista Cultural Center at 1200 North Menatrista Parkway. Come out and be a part of it. This week on Rock and Roll America, the real story behind Buddy Holly and the Crickets. I'm Richard Aquila. Our special guest this week is the legendary rock and roll drummer, Jerry Allison, who along with Buddy Holly... I'm John Hayden. Jack Quaid. This is Al Rent. I'm Stan Sollers. And I'm Renee Montaigne. I'm Stephen Turpin. Thank and you for I'm joining I'm Marcus me. Jackman. I'm Fred Child. Hello, my friends. I'm Bill McLaughlin. Hello, this is Garrison Keeler. I'm from Ira Glass. I'm Carl Castle. I'm Stephanie Weekman. I'm Nick Spitzer. I'm Brooke Gladstone. I'm Barbara Lewis. Hi, it's us, Click and Clack from Carton. And I'm Brian Eckstein. Happy anniversary, WBST. And best wishes to Indiana Public Radio for many, many good years ahead. Today is the 60th anniversary of WBST's sign-on. I'm Sean Ashcraft. I'm sure you recognize a few, if not many, of the voices from the last six decades on air. Those voices you value are from WBST's 50th anniversary show, originally broadcast on September 12, 2010. Hi, this is Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air, here to celebrate 60 years of Indiana Public Radio. For the past six decades, they've been on the air bringing you news, interviews, and music. Happy 60th anniversary, Indiana Public Radio, and here's to many more. So, what's been going on the last 10 years? Well, I'm very glad you asked. The next part of our program will focus on the last decade, beginning with an annual holiday tradition, the IPR Radio Drama. The radio drama began in 2008 with the production of War of the Worlds. Not exactly the stuff of holidays, but since then, listeners and our live audiences have enjoyed classics such as Gift of the Magi and A Christmas Carol, and original productions like A Christmas Truce and A Few Houses Down. Each production brought together community cast members with Ball State and IPR crew to create a very special hour of live, onstage, and on-air storytelling and music. Let's listen to some standout moments from a few of our favorites. First up, IPR's first production of It's a Wonderful Life, back from December 1st, 2012, live from Proust Hall. Daddy, my Christmas bell, you didn't forget? Oh, forget? Here, honey, here's your bell. Daddy! Darling, what's this on the table here? What's this book? (laughs) The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Aw, well look, there's something written in it. Dear George, Remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings. Love, Clarence. Clarence? Oh, yeah. He's a very dear friend of mine. Daddy, Mrs. Wilt says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Oh, that's right, Susan. That's right. That's right. Attaboy, Clarence. Attaboy, Clarence. Happy landings. The following year, IPR moved the radio drama from Proust Hall to Sursa Performance Hall in 2013 for our production of Miracle on 34th Street, which was my first production working as the broadcast engineer less than one month on the job. So, you always tell the truth, do you? Mm Mm-hmm. Look at your employment card. Name, Chris Kringle. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. You may call the home if you'd care to confirm that, Mrs. Walker. It's a home for elderly gentlemen. Would you like me also to confirm this? What's that? 
Date of birth, as old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. <laughs> Place of birth, North Pole. Now, really. Why, I believe you doubt me, Mrs. Walker. And this tops everything. Next of kin. Oh, that. Dasher, dancer, prancer, and vixen. I'm sorry to have to do this, Mr. 2014 would see a fantastic rendition of Gift of the Magi. 2015 audiences enjoyed the ever-classic A Christmas Carol, then in 2016 we revisited why It's a Wonderful Life. Starting the following year, we saw the start of some really interesting original productions, thanks to collaborations between the community and Indiana Public Radio Theater. In 2017, we brought BSU professor Tom Horan's A Christmas Truce to the airwaves, which took the sound design of this production to a whole nother level. The story takes place on the Western Front. In July of 1914. Late July. Picture two trenches dug into the earth. Only the length of two football fields apart. I mentioned the sound design was taken to a new level with this production, and part of that was thanks to the involvement of a visiting professor to Ball State at the time, Vanessa Thiem Ament, who did the Foley work for many notable Hollywood productions, as well as IPR's own radio dramas from 2016 through 2018. She'd reprise her role the following year in a production written by community member and longtime IPR listener Michael Kleberg, A Few Houses Down, in 2018. And most recently in 2019, IPR brought listeners some Christmas gifts, another creative endeavor which combined the storylines from two O. Henry stories, Gift of the Magi and The Last Leaf. Let's take a listen to a little bit of that. I've left a few objects to you. These hair combs were my mother's, and the pocket watch chain belonged to my father. They lived in the very same apartment in which you now reside with your dear friend Sue. Many Christmases ago, before even I was born, they each made a great sacrifice in order to give one another Christmas gifts. These trinkets are those same gifts. They have been passed down in my family as a reminder that personal sacrifice is one of the greatest gifts a person can give to a loved one. From live radio dramas to live studio performances, our next moment comes courtesy of Stephen Turpin and Morning Musicale in 2014. When classical musicians had concerts close by, Stephen would often invite them into the studio to perform and talk about their music on air. Time for Three was the first to play in our new performance studio in the David Letterman Communication Building on the Ball State campus. What a great way to break in the new space for our listeners. Time for three, time for three. Nicholas Kendall, violin, uh, Zachary Depew, the other violin, and in the middle, uh, hunched over the bass, Renan Meyer. Thank you guys for coming in. You know, you're the first to play live in our performance studio, so we're really excited about that. We're really glad you're, you're here this morning. And Nick, I understand that, uh, by the way, you're, you're home. This is where you Yay. grew up, right? In fact, your parents are here in the studio. Well, I mean, I, I didn't grow up here, but my parents moved here because my father was part of the faculty here at the School of Architecture. Okay. But I mean, I feel like this is my second home for sure. I come here often. Did you bring your laundry? Actually, mom and my mom and dad are here in the studio. Mom, I have to talk to you. I did bring laundry. And also, could you sew my pants? They ripped again. <laughs> Stephen welcomed musicians of all sorts into the studio. One of our favorite moments comes from Tessa Lark in 2017. Now, you, you, pl you play other styles as well, including bluegrass. You're from Kentucky. 
Yes, born and raised in Kentucky. My parents are still there. And um, before I played the violin, I actually played the mandolin when I was four years old. And my dad plays banjo, and we still, to this day, play together a lot. Could you give us a little demonstration of Of bluegrass? It's the same Stradivari violin, but now it's a fiddle. Turned fiddle, yeah. Okay. You know, I felt it was a little, I felt like it was sacrilegious to play bluegrass on this violin the first time. So I coined a new genre term um, called Stradgrass. Okay. So this is what you're about to hear. Very (laughs) good. Thank you. Joan and I have been listeners for 45 of your 60 years. And you know, you keep getting better, bringing unmatched coverage of news and great classical music. It's also a personal friendship thing with us. We know and admire the great people who make IPR effective. Happy birthday and keep doing what you're doing. We're all better because of it. That was longtime supporter Steve Anderson sharing his appreciation of IPR. This is the WBST 60th anniversary special. I'm Sean Ashcraft. You know, Indiana is filled with interesting people and places. A program that began in 2012 introduced us to some of them. Indiana Weekend, hosted by John Strauss, set out to find people making a difference, as well as fun things to see and do across the region. In today's show, two very different views of life. From Indianapolis, we'll talk with Matthew Tully about what he learned while spending a year with students and teachers in an inner-city school. In Muncie, the life of the firefighters at Station 2 on the south side, and the Ball State music background of one fire official. To start, let's climb aboard a fire truck. The alert tones have just sounded at Fire Station 2, and this is what it's like when you climb aboard for an emergency run. Within seconds of getting the call, a person struck by a car, we're in the truck. Clear truck 2, 12th and Madison. This will be 1050 car pedestrian. Uh, I have your patient. Uh, he's in a conscious. Indiana Weekend aired Friday nights at 6.30 until 2017. By the way, in 2014, John Strauss became interim general manager of the station through 2015, and that's when Al Rent returned home to the station where it all began for this veteran broadcaster. Al would serve as executive director and general manager of public broadcasting here from 2015 until his death in 2017. John Strauss remembered the Muncie icon during a special episode of Indiana Weekend. Remembering Al Rent today, the longtime face of the university as its director of community relations, a beloved civic volunteer, and long before that, a student at Ball State with David Letterman. We talked to Al back in 2015 about their time together. Have you uh, had contact with him since he went off to find fame and fortune? Yes. We didn't talk much for the longest period of time until in 2000, Ball State uh, had accumulated the nation's longest losing streak in Division I football. Dave's people 
would call and say, would you be willing to send us the video of the game? We'll, we can take some of those, quote, highlights or lowlights and, and put them on the air so Dave can use them. And then once Dave got on the phone with me and said, I really appreciate this, Al. This is going to be fun. And we did. And um, the, the, uh, ultimately, the story you know, goes that Ball State did break the string. We had 22 weeks worth and that's two, almost two years worth of free national publicity. And uh, then we decided to cap it with by taking him the game ball. And we did. I went to New York. They were dumbfounded that we were there. And then the producer said, Mr. Letterman, it was always Mr. Letterman. Mr. Letterman says he knows you and you went to school together. And I said, well, yes, that's true. Well, he would like you to come on the show and present him the game ball. And I thought, I have just died and gone to heaven. (laughs) There is a God and he's shining down on me. He's been very loyal to the university. Um, he uh, is a very quiet benefactor of, uh, of many things, but especially Ball State. And his, uh, his message to us was, I don't want any publicity. However, there's the Letterman Scholarship to all C students before and after me. And Dave was not a C student. He was a high B student at, at worst. Very bright guy, but worked just hard enough when he was in school. Because he was, I'm sure he was having way too much fun. But he's provided that scholarship, and it is, it, for all purposes, it's virtually endowed. So it just keeps regenerating itself. Um, and it's given for creativity. So he's been generous on that side. He made it very clear at the uh, way back when that if the administration asked him for money, he was not going to listen to the request. But if students needed help, they should just feel free to get in touch with him. And that's where the generosity has come from. He has seen that working directly with students, as he was here, would be a better fit than working with old stodgy administrators like me who had other ideas of how we could use the money. The students would know that they wanted the money to help them in ways that were very, very student-centered and practical. Beyond that, anything he has done has been quiet and unacknowledged publicly. My name is B. Souza. And I'm Lynn Souza. We want to congratulate WBST on 60 years of broadcasting. We have supported NPR everywhere we lived for 54 years. And we were delighted to find WBST when we moved to Muncie in 1978. WBST is on in every room in our house. And even on our deck for the outdoor summer breakfasts. Our lives would be impoverished without WBST. Welcome to Community Connection, an IPR original program that takes a look at what's going on with nonprofit organizations in East Central Indiana. I'm Kristen Bitsigai. Each month on Community Connection, we focus on telling the story of one local nonprofit what they're doing to make our community a better place to live and work, and how you can help. This month, we talk with volunteers and the staff of Rebuilding Together of Delaware County. Rebuilding Together provides... Community Connection, created by Kristen Bitsigai and produced by All Things Considered host Stephanie Weekman, was a great way for IPR to, well, connect our listeners to nonprofits in our coverage area. 
The first broadcast aired in 2013, and the show is still making those connections today, now with Michelle Kinsey as host. Her first broadcast was in 2016 and featured Masterworks Chorale gearing up for a special celebration in the Muncie community. Let's begin with kind of the history of Masterworks. How far does it go back in the community? How did it start? Andrew, do you want to take that one? Masterworks started in Muncie around 1978. Uh, It grew out of a desire for folks to... Um, sing together as you know, part of a wide movement of choral singing, and it really is a community chorus and has been uh, supported by broad components of the community throughout its history. So it really seems like Masterworks Chorale is the perfect group to be a part of a big event coming up this month in Muncie. Absolutely. To celebrate the Indiana Bicentennial and to reflect on the Muncie Sesquicentennial, the Chorale has undertaken a big project based around this idea of Muncie as Middletown, commissioned a composer to write a new piece of music. It's when we really... And it's a real pleasure for me now to uh, welcome to the program Scott Rotenberg and Nick Tucker and Cassius Goins, who collectively make up the Scott Rotenberg Trio. Welcome to the program, gentlemen. It's good to have you with us tonight. Thank you so much, Larry. Thanks for having us. us. I'm really excited that uh, you're going to be playing some selections from the new album, Every End is a Beginning. Uh, But before you do that, I'd like to talk a little bit about your backgrounds as musicians. I think probably many of our listeners are familiar that you're all on the jazz faculty in the School of Music at Ball State University. Probably we were jazzed to introduce audiences to Larry Beck and his program, Blue Notes, in 2017. It began as a BYOB, or Be Your Own Broadcaster program, a show led by Stephen Turpin that encouraged listeners to produce their own music program. Blue Notes became a quarterly jazz digest in 2017, and then a monthly opportunity to get all jazzy in the summer of 2018. Like Blue Notes, IPR has become home to many locally produced programs. One of the most recent shows is The Facing Project, a storytelling project created to bring real stories centered around real issues to our airwaves. The show is produced by Sean Ashcraft, hey, that's me, and it can be heard monthly on IPR. Today, another member of the IPR program family is celebrating a milestone, The Scene from Indiana Public Radio. This program, which began as an IPR student employee show in 2010, will offer a special 10-year look-back episode premiering tonight at 10 p.m., so be sure to tune in to learn more. And thank you for tuning in tonight. The WBST 60th anniversary special was produced by me, your host, Sean Ashcraft. Thanks to Michelle Kinsey, she helped put some of these words in my mouth. And also thanks to Dan Skinner, the producer of the 30th anniversary show, and to Brian Eckstein, the producer of the 50th anniversary show. And special thanks to everyone heard on the program who worked for IPR and WBST over the years, the members who have helped keep us on the air with their support, and again, to you for listening. This has been the WBST 60th Anniversary Special presented by Livestream Services.